When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or Crestwood dental.com This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton from 105.7 The Point. Former Blue defenseman and team member over at 101 ESPN, Jamie Rivers. Uh, gentlemen, um, I really did not believe that we were going to sit down here today Um with the blues already being done, I just I I, I, I it was not even not a in possibility in my brain, but <laughs> uh, but here we are, and uh, this is going to be an incredibly interesting off season, um, and I just don't even know right now where I stand outside of just really disappointed. Yeah, I'm super super bummed. I'm also at that point. I hate this part of the year. You know, the years that the blues don't win the Stanley Cup. Every year when they get eliminated, like I love in the NHL network and I love ESPN and I love it, but I can't watch them during hockey highlights right now. Like I got to give it a couple of days buffer. I'll watch the other team's highlights, but I know they'll sneak in some blues uh, avalanche and it'll upset me. Mm. Yeah, it well, upsets yeah. me. It should probably because yeah. avalanche had a pretty good series. Yeah, very I, good series. I don't yeah. even know. I kind of don't even know where really even to start with this whole thing. But can I ask a, a, a Vladimir Tarasenko question from the get-go? Oh, sure, Donnie. So we find out last night after the game that Tarasenko's been nursing a groin injury. Yeah. All right? So obviously— How do you think he nurses that? I think it's up and down, isn't it? Or is it side to side? I would think that his beautiful wife would a, probably help. Is there a bit of a twist? Could be. massage it? So we have heard that Tarasenko <laughs> was dealing with a groin injury since he came back. All right. So that said, I kind of go, all right, well, Vladdy, I understand. All right. Well, that makes sense. But then I see the announcement this morning that after quarantine, homeboy's going to go and play in Russia or play for Russia yeah. uh, for the world championships. So bad optics. I, really? It doesn't look talk, good. I don't understand. Okay. Um, 
I know it's a big deal to play for your home country I, uh, and play with your friends and all of that sort no, of thing. No, that's not the direction I'm headed in. But, but not like, for these guys. Like, the World Championships is not like the Olympics right. or the World Juniors. It's So what the hell are we doing here? Well, here's what I'm thinking is that um, possibly uh, with the quarantine and all that, he'll have time off to rest and he'll be able to get that groin back to 100%. And he hasn't hardly played any hockey mm-hmm. in two seasons. And it would probably be beneficial for him to get some ice time over there. It's not like he's going to be playing 20 minutes a game mm-hmm. on the Russian national team. Probably play some power play, maybe a little even strength. And if he tweaks his groin at all, he'd probably be done. You know, So, yeah, the optics are bad because we think, oh, well, maybe Vladdy, if he you know wanted to do it this play this badly for the blues he would have done a different thing but he took some time off a groin injury is it's hit or miss man i've had them i've pulled like torn the groin apart and i've had somewhere you tweak it and you can get through it day to day by massage and therapy and things like that so with the quarantine probably going to be 10 to 14 days that's literally two weeks on the il so imagine two weeks of getting healthy and then you're able to go back and practice and play. And who knows if he'll even play. He might sure. go over, be a part of the team. He'll get there, say it doesn't work, and oh well. All right. I think that was my only real grumpy. You know but, what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> but it's just it does suck, though, as, as fans to, for us to go. And you even said the words, well, he hasn't played very much. I know no, he, he hasn't. hasn't. That's yeah. the thing that sucks about this. Now that he can play, he's going to go over there. What if he gets hurt again? Well, that's And, that, and this that's, is a guy that gets hurt all that, the time. That's one of the things that I was thinking about, man. Yeah, but guys, you got to understand, he has to play. Like yeah, but he could sign play. up for Synergy Hockey or something. Well, you throw him around, to throw some pucks out there. Okay, well, Vladdy has done Synergy Hockey before in the past. Uh, just him and I on the ice and worked on some skills. And That was during his 30-goal seasons, though, right? It was during the Stanley Cup season. See? I will huh. say that. So, Vladdy, uh, you have the number. Can you call? <laughs> Want to get back to where you were before? <laughs> and if he doesn't, what's the website? Synergy Hockey? SynergyHockeySkills.com. There you go. All That's right. for everyone. So here is, here is where I am going to start, and then we can take this wherever we want to go okay so uh, you know over the course of the last couple of years since the blues have won the stanley cup you know we have definitely seen a, a, the, the roster change over to a certain degree and one of the issues that i've seen a couple of people bring up is is there a philosophical difference between the type of team that 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 doug armstrong has built as opposed to the type of team that Craig Berube likes to coach. And maybe that Armstrong wants it to be a little speedier, a little more skilled, whereas Berube wants that big, heavy style. Can we can we kind of talk about that? Is there a... And I wouldn't expect that they're not on the same page. I right. believe that these two... I mean, Berube's here because Armstrong, ba ba ba. But is that an issue going forward? No, I don't think so. I think what you have here is... It's not a philosophical difference. It's just that some of your personnel can't fit the ideal way you'd like to play. And, you know, Mike Hoffman, who ended up being a great addition for this team down the stretch and on the power play, and let's be honest, probably the power play only was really where he was a weapon for this team. And he, he served his purpose, but he's not he's not the guy you draw up in a blueprint and go, hey, that's a chief, you know, St. Louis Blues guy right there. Sure. Probably not, but you have to look at and let's let's dive into the injuries a little bit here, okay? Yeah. Because I hear people in the last twenty four hours, some are okay blaming the blues for poor play and some are okay letting the injuries be an excuse for all of it. I'm somewhere in the middle. Okay? Well, I think you gotta be though, right? I think you have to be yeah. realistic here. You've lost your 
second-best defensive centerman in Oscar Sundquist. You're telling me that at one point you wouldn't have swapped out Ryan O'Reilly for Oscar Sundquist in the matchup against Nathan McKinnon? 100%. Yeah, probably, right? I mean, Oscar Sundquist shut, shut down uh, Patrice Bergeron and those guys. He had Barbashev and he had Steen. You're telling me you couldn't have made a version of that line out there? Probably could have had Sonny, Barbie, and Sammy Blay out there and been just fine matching those guys up against the Avalanche uh, top line. So I think Sonny was a big loss. Let's just be very clear here. The David Perron, like that's the that's the trap door that just got pulled right out from under you, and you're like, what the heck just happened? How do you lose your best player? You know, we talk about David or uh, Ryan Riley. So let me reword that. You lose your top score and one of your best players. Yeah, I know what okay? you're yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, some people, well, right, right. Yeah, yeah no. he is your best player. Okay, flat out. That's fine. And I'm okay with that, and I don't think anybody would dispute that. But he's really, really good when he has David Perron, too. And David Perron would have been a huge help in this series. So I look at it and go, if we have Oscar Sundquist healthy, David Perron healthy, Justin Falk and Robert Bortuzzo don't go down, Jake Wallman isn't on the COVID list to start the series. Guys, I think we have a different series. I'm not saying that the Blues win, but I'm saying it goes six or seven. Yeah, I was going to say, at least we're still playing. I think I absolutely think it goes six or seven. So, and Chief, so much respect for him because he never, ever, ever takes the easy way out. Never says, well, yeah, we had injuries all season long as this really sucked for everybody. He, he says, no, we had guys that could play. And Oh, let's not forget Carl Gunnarsson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, old vanilla ice cream. It sure would have been nice to throw out the vanilla ice cream. Just, just a to, scoop. Just, just to calm scoop, things yeah. down out Absolutely, there. Absolutely. You man. know, and we didn't have that option. So, Chief won't say it, but I will that having all the injuries that this, this team went through this year and then having the awful, awful timing of COVID hit right before the playoffs, it just was too much to overcome. I uh, One of the things I was bummed about, and, and we can get to, to this or not, but or I can sprinkle them in, but I got a list of things that I'm bummed about and bright spots for me yeah. as far as moving forward. And Berube was on the bummed list for one thing, and only because he went against the th- one of the things that you really liked about him moving forward after hand passes and things like that, you don't even say anything about the calls. And before, I believe it was Sunday's game, he was ripping on the refs. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm assuming there's a good reason for that. Maybe it's, hey, I'm all in. Let's let's get the players going. How come he changed his stance on that? Chief does that every now and then. He'll pull the 180 and he'll go from it's nobody's fault but ours to he'll pick one specific thing. And it's usually the officials. And it's strategic, man. It's a situation where uh, if if the Blues can get a couple of favorable calls or maybe a couple of calls that don't get made because the refs have been put on alert that, you know, Craig Berube is calling them out for their their bad decisions or their poor game management, it's a swing at something, right? You're, he's stepping up to the plate and he's taking a swing at the pitch. And if it hits, great. If he strikes out, oh well. And that's basically it. He's not trying to take the focus off of – uh, his team or anything like that. He's not dwelling on it. It's just a little gamesmanship, trying to get a little bit of an advantage maybe from the officials. And it usually doesn't work, but it's worth a shot. Was it that bad? I didn't think so. Okay. I mean, look, uh, the one thing that I didn't like was that the Jost uh, ends up being a broken orbital bone for Robert Portuzo. Oh, my God. Yeah, oh, and I know not that. even a two-minute penalty on that play. Uh, that's disturbing to me that – that got overlooked. Uh, the Kadri situation, that handled itself. It really did. Like, 
Eight games is exactly what he probably should have gotten. He's going to appeal it. I'd be careful with that because when Gary Bettman gets involved, he has the ability at that point to – it's like it's reopening the case basically so he could add games. He wow. could say He could say, you know what? This is really bad. I think it's 12 games. <laughs> wow. So it has the ability to go either way. I, I don't know why he would appeal it. Maybe try and get six because that's the minimum amount he can get. And I guess get back to the lineup with the avalanche. But, yeah, look, um, I thought there were calls missed both ways. There always is. I was a little disappointed that there wasn't a little more retribution for some of the um, carelessness of avalanche players, mostly the Jost kid. But then when you look at it, you go, is he really that relevant enough to go waste one? You know, like, is he relevant enough to go get a five-minute major mm. or cost the team? He really wasn't, you know. But then the, uh, the old-school brain in me goes, well, Nathan McKinnon sure is worth it. Let's go give him a visit. Sure. But I guess, you know, you have to be careful then, too. The league is on high alert for the rest of the series. And if they see something that is donkey-ish, you're going to get nailed. I, I just, you know, man, I, I understand that you can't come into game three swinging your flipping sticks around and, like, looking to decapitate somebody. That's that's not it. But, man, like, I just feel like, and, and I felt this way earlier in the year with Mark Stone and with Bortuzzo when he went out early in Colorado, I don't feel like there was very... I don't think there was often an answer back physically from our team when that nonsense happened. There, and I understand that you can only do so much. You're going into a game three where you're down two games to none, so you... You know, I'm just I'm very least, torn it, by this, man. Like, I don't want to blast anybody, but it definitely feels like this team did not get as pissed off as it needs to when it needed to. I hate the word. I hate, not hate. I actually like the flyby term that you said because the amount of flybys where people could take somebody into the boards or after something ha- happened, at least get in there and let the refs break it up. The amount of people that were pointing after, uh, I guess it was the Falk thing. Yeah, I think it was the Falk thing. That were just uh, our uh, his own teammates were just pointing, mm-hmm. as opposed to going over there and pushing the guy doing something. It's hockey, and they were just looking at the ref and pointing like, "Oh, this guy hit our guy." Dude, we, There's, there, this team was built on having each other's back. And, and, and listen again, and I know D- J- Doug Armstrong said something about this as well. Four players miss significant time, or I guess you can't really say four because we don't know how long Bortuzzo or Falk would have been out. But Falk, Bortuzzo twice, and Bozak miss big time because a gnarly hits with virtually very little done. And I just don't know what I expect. I don't know. But it just feels like if you want to be real honest about it. I agree. I don't disagree. Okay. And and here's here's where I get stuck at times is because it's a new game. Right, and you can only be the back in my day, get off my lawn guy for so long. Yeah, I know exactly how I would like my team to respond to that, or how it should have been responded to. But I feel like that's something that's foreign to a lot of these guys nowadays. And there are a couple of guys that would do it, but is Braden Shen really the guy you want to sacrifice no. every single no, freaking we've time? No, we've say that before because like, he is the guy. But who that else is? Up. You know, like yeah. Kyle Clifford at the end of Game One kind of gets into it a little bit, but then he disappeared for the rest of the series. And this, I think, that's what was frustrating for me with, with Cliffy was he showed up from time to time, 
and then he would disappear for long periods of time. And there's opportunities there, right? Like you're playing with Sammy Blay, who can start a fight in church, quite yeah. honestly. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like Twister used to say, and Chaser and all the guys, and they'd come and grab me and say, hey, Riv, uh, go stir it up. And that meant they were ready to get things going. So I would just go out and be a buffoon until somebody came after me. And then when that happened, now we had a response, you know? And mm-hmm. so in my opinion, if I'm Kyle Clifford, I'm like, hey, Sammy, uh, you've got a green light here today. Just go get him, Tiger. I'm right behind you. And that forces, that pulls everybody into battle then. And it's, and it's not Braden Shen that you're losing either for five minutes or even longer. What if he breaks a hand, oh, pulls gosh. a shoulder yeah, out of socket, yeah, something, yeah. right? Like, it, what if he gets concussed? Like, Landis Cog landed a few good ones in that first game, and it's not that Shanner can't take it, but I don't want it doesn't him matter. To. I've seen some of the toughest guys in the world get popped on the button and go down, and then they're out of it. You right. know? It doesn't matter how tough you are sometimes. Your brain doesn't care. Give me what, another. another thing that I'm bummed about, and, and I hope you guys are too, is that the amount of people that see Jordan Bennington as just the losing goalie. Oh, my in God. This, oh God. this is I, Jeff, ludicrous. Honestly, I'm not being a jerk here right now. I don't even want to talk about this. Okay. <laughs> All right. The other thing. It's so, so stupid. Because it's so freaking ridiculous. It's so stupid. They have a guy that is setting records every time he's in the crease for the Blues for games played, shutouts, or whatever it is. 46 saves in game one, one where I still don't know how his leg is not laying in the crease in Colorado <laughs> right now. The last guy I'm pointing the finger at here is Jordan Bennington. Yeah. Should he have had a better game three overall? Maybe. But I'm going to sit here and have a glass of shut the hell up because the rest of the series, that guy gave you a chance when you would not have ordinarily had one. And I just agree. to add, just to add follow up on something that we talked about before, are you comfortable going into next year with Bennington and Huso as your one-two Huso is your two, no problems. No problems. Yep. Ville Huso did a lot for yeah. himself this year. The first handful of games, there's no doubt we were all nervous. Every time it was like first shot of the game was going in, you were playing from behind. But the kid went on to post a solid season. And what his road record ended up being like 8-1-1. One, and one, And he won some big games against some good teams at, at really important times coming down the stretch. I, I'm, I'm just fine with that goaltending tandem. If I'm Doug Armstrong... I'm sleeping well at night knowing, okay, I have that part at least figured out. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing I'm bummed about, and we have off-season to talk about this, but one of my knee-jerk reactions as they're shaking hands is, who did I see play for the Blues for the last time? And yeah. I'm, not, I'm not expecting you to have a list, but did you guys think about that? And is there oh, somebody yeah. that pops into your head right away? Or Well, can I, I want to throw this out there, uh, that I, you know, over the course of the last couple of weeks, have been trying to bring Schwartz back and Bozak back and somehow Hoffman back and getting all of these players that were here back. And I'm not sure that that's the right way to go. It's, I, mean, Hoff, <laughs> Hoffman, I mean, Hoffman, obviously, no doubt. But, you know, I'm wondering, and I love Jaden Schwartz, and I love Tyler Bozak, so these are both difficult things for me to say, but, like, you know, man, I mean, do we, do those positions need to kind of be refreshed a little bit? So here's the thing is, uh, Tyler Bozak, I believe, wants to stay in St. Louis, and I think he'll take a pay cut. And if you can get Tyler Bozak at three million, maybe two and a half million, that's a steal. Okay, it's a steal. You get a guy who plays power play, penalty kill, leadership, all that. Go find another guy who can do all that for the next two years for you. You'd be hard pressed to find that. Okay. So 
I'm okay with that. If Tyler Bozak expects 3.5 or higher, unfortunately you're going to have to move on from that. Uh, and, and speaking of moving on, maybe it is time to move on from Jaden Schwartz. And it's not the player as far as the individual, because I love the guy. His teammates love him. But he's going to be looking, and one can only assume, I don't know this, he's going to be looking for probably $6 million plus per season. Nope. His offensive output doesn't indicate that that's what he's worth on the market for the St. Louis Blues. If he was ready to come in and take a $4 million contract, maybe. But I don't think he's going to want to do that. I think he's going to look out there, and I think somebody will give him that because there's lots of teams, and Seattle's coming in, so there's going to be teams that lose players. And what it does is it makes more jobs available, meaning you got to pay somebody to do it. I would love to keep Jaden Schwartz. I can't see Doug Armstrong locking him up for $6 million plus for the offensive output that has been out there. He's sporadic in his scoring, but this year we really could have used more of it. I mean, I look at young guys that are sitting there waiting, and I look at a Clem Cost and Clem Shady, your guy. Yeah. You're telling me he couldn't have got seven goals? Like, I'm just right. saying. And he's a big body. He's physical. He'll go to the net. And not that he would replace Jaden Schwartz because Schwartz is so good at buzzing around and doing all that. But at $6 million plus, that's a tough one to deal with when it's a flat cap and you're trying to continue to build your team. And he misses games every year, too. Jaden Schwartz does. does. Yeah, He does. He misses games. Um, But that's a tough one. That's going to be an emotional one for Doug Armstrong because Army loves him, and I know the team loves him, and I know this city loves Jaden Schwartz. Absolutely. I never thought I'd hear you say those words about, hey, maybe it's time. I really didn't. You know, you know how this, you know why this sucks is because we're sitting here talking about Jaden Schwartz and I'm like, I'm, I'm, it's like I'm losing a friggin' family member. Right. I met the guy one time at a Hardee's for a gig once. <laughs> and he didn't like you, if I remember correctly. Probably so, yeah. probably so. But like, That's not true. Shorts, he's a good dude. <laughs> but, it just, but it's just Come amazing how we, get, how we get attached to these yeah, guys, man. Yeah. Like, like, well, he's I, been here a long time. Though. Yeah, man. And you he's talk been here a long time. He dude. really has. And we have been through a lot with Jaden Schwartz. Think yeah. about it. You know, the guy lost his sister yeah. early on. That was really difficult. You know, not that we were here for it, but we're here. We're alongside Jaden Schwartz for that ride. Then he loses his father. Uh, you feel a connection to these guys, especially when they come in at a young age and you watch them grow every year. And now you're looking at it going, wow, are, are we really breaking up here? Like, this is kind of sad. It is, but it's going to come down to dollars and cents. If Jaden Schwartz is comfortable not getting what he thinks he can get on the open market. I think there's a marriage to be had here, but I think if he's going six million plus and he's looking for a long term deal, it it may have to be somewhere else. Uh, moving on to a positive list, maybe. Oh, and you Let's said something about, oh, I can't believe we're breaking up. I think a positive here is that we found out that we need fifty seven on the team. Oh my god! With an expansion yeah. draft coming and all that kind of, he's he's the poster boy for expansion drafts. If I'm if I'm Doug Armstrong at St. Louis Blues, I'm certainly picking up the phone and discussing an extension for David Perron. I'm sitting there going, hey, you know what? Let's do a two-year deal here. You know, you got one year left plus two on the back end of this deal. That's three more years here as a St. Louis Blue. And then we'll reevaluate from there. Uh, You probably try and keep him at the same dollar value. I don't know if Perry would push, push, push for more. Uh, I'm sure his agent would probably give a little nudge on that one. But he's your top-scoring forward, one of your most dependable guys, shift in and shift out. He's the uh, the bake to your shake, which is Ryan O'Reilly. And we saw that Ryan O'Reilly, as great as he is, he's even better when he's with David Perron. 
I think it's a no-brainer. Um, however, I've been wrong. Oh, I can't remember. I think when. it was the one time. <laughs> no. You were wrong that one time when you said you were wrong, right? Yeah, that's right. Something to that that's effect, right, Jeff. No, uh, I think we lock him up, man. I would. Love I agree. That. I agree, and I and I hope everybody else kind of turned their their opinion on that too. Wallman obviously is love a, that kid. But to me, kind of a bright spot is San, the Santini, the great Santini. Who yeah, how about this that? guy comes storming onto the scene and. There weren't even any growing pains in this. Like, even if you remember his first game where he got called up and out of nowhere he's in the lineup, and everybody's like, who is this, who is this? Santini? Yeah. Even I'm calling and texting uh, people that are on the scouting staff for the Blues and asking them about him, and they had great reviews on him. Guys that have great reputations in hockey telling me, this kid's good. And he came in and played fantastic. I think that, if nothing else, it gives Doug Armstrong... Uh, wiggle room into what he wants to do for next season. You know, I, I forget the status of Robert Bortuzzo. I think he might be up as well. Um, Santini's a big guy, right-handed defenseman, skates well, moves the puck. Maybe that's a, a cheaper replacement. I know they locked him up for the next two years at 1.5 total oh, wow. million dollars. So that's a, a nice deal for, for Santini, for sure, and for Doug Armstrong in the Blues. Uh, I want you to speak um, about uh, Mikola. Uh, and how you kind of saw him progress as the season goes on. Uh, and then also, so Wallman, Mikola, and Santini, together, do they all kind of change the way that Doug Armstrong looks at the defensive core going into the year next year? I think they do uh, to an extent. I think that if you're looking to replace bodies, right? Like you always do that game. I think Mikola is a replacement for, for Carl Gunnarsson. And I think that uh, as much as I love Gunny. It's at the point of his career, and I, you know, the injury might be too much to come back from. Who knows? Okay, uh, but I think Mikula is a nice little replacement. Nothing fancy in Mikula's game, but he does have that sandpaper, little extra cross check here, little shove here. The kid will only get more confident uh, the more he plays, and he'll get bigger and he'll get stronger. Which is crazy because he's already a flipping. I mean, like, he's a giant, for yeah, God's sake. A couple of times I've seen him, like, after a play, like, shove with somebody and knock him down. I'm like, man, he knocked down that little bitty guy. No, no, he's <laughs> no, big. He's 6'7", <laughs> I think, is what he is. So, yeah, I, I see a great spot for, for Mikolo. Wallman, if you're if we're doing the replace game, right, maybe Wallman is your next Vince Dunn. Mm-hmm. I, I think that Wallman showed me so much this year. I, I think everybody had kind of moved on mentally from that experiment because he'd had some ups and downs in the minors and was kind of like, eh, not sure. Came in this year and played really well. He had a couple of moments, but every guy does. Right? Yeah, every he, he had a couple of moments when he was trying to push, though, at least. You know what I mean? He was being on the aggressive side, trying to do something. I'd rather that than a young kid on his heels just throwing the puck out of fear. He was trying to do stuff, and things happened, and they go back into your net. It, it is what it is. I mean, Alex Petrangelo... One of the best defensemen in the NHL has that moment every 15, 20 games where something happens, and you know we, we let that slide. So let's encourage Jake Wallman to, to be that guy. Uh, and then last but not least, Santini, I just said, maybe he's the Bortuzzo replacement, right? And so now you've gained, you've gained quite a bit on the salary cap there because Wallman and Santini and Mikel are substantially cheaper than Dunn, Gunnarsson, and Bortuzzo. So how do you – it seems to me, and please – Tell me if you guys think I'm wrong, but kind of the 
revamping of the decor seems like it's going to be the number one priority in the offseason. Would you agree or disagree? No, I would agree, although there will be some tweaking up front as well. I do think that Doug Armstrong could be in the market to go get a a big, aggressive, left-handed shot defenseman. A mean son of a bitch. Not necessarily crazy. Okay. But, like, I really, really, really like Jamie Alexiak. Yeah. Down in Dallas, Dallas guy. We're talking about that. Yeah, yeah, Dallas yeah, guy. Yeah, I like he's, that dude, too. I think he's, like, 6'7", 260. Um, he, he's fought everybody. You know, he's fought the Wilsons, the Reeves, the Maroons. And he can play that role of a big, tough defenseman. But he also has the skill, too. You watch him out there. He handles the puck. He, heck, he's got, he had one coast-to-coast goal earlier this season where you're like, what the heck? How did that guy do that? So I, I don't know what he'll be worth on the open market. Probably 5 to $6 million. Oh, baby. Maybe that's where some of your money comes from as far as if you don't re-sign Schwartzy or something like that. I, I don't know. I'd have to look at the salary cap right now and kind of dissect it. Uh, but I do think Army's going to look to add up front, too. I think what was glaringly obvious was some of the scoring punch missing in these playoffs. And, you know, the the Avalanche shut down O'Reilly. And I don't think they really shut him down. I think his job was just so hard to play against the other team's top guys that it left very little time to, to score goals. And Braden Shen didn't have a great uh, series offensively. The rest of it I loved. I loved the way he plays. Uh, Tarasenko... Uh, he scores two goals in in the last game, but uh, I had somebody text me and go, <laughs> Vladdy Tarasenko is like a round of golf. You're terrible for 17 holes. You birdie the 18th and think you had a great day. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of thinking that same thing. The last thing we're going to remember is, well, Tarasenko had two in the last game. Yeah, he had two he in the last game. Since there and- before then. So, you know, so, but I think you need to add some offense. It was evident that Robert Thomas maybe needs to work really hard in the offseason. I think that Jordan Cairo made some good steps. I think there's somewhere in the lineup for an offensive guy. Uh, look what Mike Hoffman did for your lineup, right? And I'm, I don't think the Hoff is an option. I think he's going to want probably too much for what he brings on a day to day basis or a shift to shift basis. But if you're signing a guy strictly as a specialist for a power play, I don't know if there's three guys in the league that would be better than him. There's uh, a couple, but not. It, it, it's a tight race. If this sounds like a crazy thing and it's anti-Blues to say, you can blame Jeremy on the athletic, but he, I think it was him that kind of tossed out there, do you get something for Robert Thomas while you can? No. no okay, I'll let him know. That. No, you don't do that. And the reason you don't do that is because Robert Thomas has a very unique skill set uh, that nobody else on your roster has. Look at the way he wheels and deals out there. He's still a young kid. And right? I don't think he's healthy. I really I, don't think he's healthy. He's, he battled big time this year with health issues. But turning on a dime, stopping, going, his passing, his no-look passes, his ability to find – like he's just scratching the surface. He's the right. kind of guy that you trade, and two years from now you go, my God, what were the Blues thinking? Uh, we traded Randy a Rosarina again. I was just thinking that too. Adolis Garcia. Right. I mean, the list goes on. And, and maybe on the here. Sosa kid now that's playing shortstop too. There's talk that uh, don't give up on that guy either. Well, no, he's having a good run here right now. Yeah. That kid's like, uh-uh, I'm here to stay. What uh, uh, as a guy who went through um, this this sort of thing, this all of a sudden sudden end of your season, whether it was just regular season or the playoffs. So what are you doing now? Like, what is happening? You guys set up exit interviews. You got to clean out your locker. Who vacuums? What, what happened? <laughs> yeah. Well, basically, they probably, 
uh, I don't know if they went out this COVID times, right? So who knows? Maybe they had a room somewhere uh, at a local facility and you go and you drown your sorrows. You do. You do. Because as we're talking about the breakups right now, right, that's that's real. Some of these guys you'll never play with again. I mean, the team that you have, I mean, even look at the Stanley Cup team, two years later, look at the difference. Where did everybody go type thing? So, yeah, you have your, your, your night out. After the game, uh, team will probably get together, I'd say, tomorrow for exit interviews and things like that. Clean out your locker. There'll be medical stuff. Each player has to check out medically afterwards to make sure that they don't have any injuries. And Basically, you're not sending home a package of damaged goods, and then they come back next season, and it's still screwed up. So they'll make sure medically everybody's cleared. And then you probably have one more shaker as a team. Go out, have a nice dinner. Uh, some cocktails, and then guys just start disappearing. They're out of town. They got to go places. Got to go do this. Got to do that. Whatever. It just starts to disperse, and that's it. Can you talk to us about the exit interview and what that what what that's like at well, the end of the year? Well, depends how good you play. <laughs> <laughs> what team's exit interview do you want from him? Um, but just maybe kind of generally what it's yeah. what it's like. Uh, well, you hope that you're getting an honest exit interview. Right? And who's in the room? Ordinarily, you have two different meetings, one with the head coach and the coaching staff, and then one with the general manager. Some teams will mix it together, but most of the time they try to separate the the business from the on-ice type thing, and so you'll go in and have your talk with the coaching staff But what went good, what went bad, what you can do to work on things, and what the off-season plan would be for you as a player. And that's kind of how it rolls, and then you have the meeting with the general manager, and depending on where you are in your contract, right? Like if you've got a year left, then it's, hey, we'll see you next year. If you're a uh, restricted free agent and things are, you know, you're up for an, a new contract, he'll say, look, we'll be talking to your agent. And usually the GM doesn't give you a lot as far as, hey, we really want to keep you or, hey, see you later type thing. It's like, hey, we'll be in touch. So the only time I've ever really had one where the I was offered a contract was in Detroit and Ken Holland just said, you gave us, you did everything we asked of you and more. Uh, I'd like to offer you a two year deal. And I said, well, how about a three year deal? He says, how about a two year? <laughs> and then I said, uh, all right. I go, uh, well, what, what'd you, what'd you just give Lidstrom? <laughs> he started to laugh. He goes, you're half as good as him. Like, deal. Perfect. <laughs> Who needs an agent, right? I was like, deal. <laughs> Kenny Holland laughed. And, uh, That's so amazing. Yeah, literally, I, I think I tried to play hardball for like a minute and a half with him. <laughs> and he looked at me and said, you're part of the Detroit Red Wings for another two seasons. <laughs> this is the deal. And I go, you know what, Kenny? I like this deal. <laughs> it's a good one. I'm it's only going to sign it because I like you, Kenny. Um, I've known uh, one other professional athlete as well as I've known you, and it was before you, and he was a baseball player, Cliff Polite. You guys know Cliff Polite. He's yeah. a pitcher yeah. for the Cardinals. And he said at the end of the season he didn't want to see a baseball. He didn't want to play catch with anybody. None of that stuff. At what point do you even look at getting back on the ice or any of that kind of yeah, stuff? Yeah, that's a good question. Okay, so times have changed, right? Like we used to – put the gear in the bag and then not touch the bag for a month and a half, two months sometimes before you'd even look at it. Guys are a couple weeks now. You know, wow. They're back in the gym. Some guys will get back on the ice. I remember starting a skills program with a couple of guys who were still in town and getting on the ice you know, two, two and a half weeks after the season was over. So, yeah, it's a 12-month it's a 
a year job now for these guys. So the bag will go away. I'd say, you know, 10 to 14 days, maybe a little trip somewhere, heal up, get a little suntan, and then get back to business. Where is the bag? Where is the bag during the off season? Oh yeah, it's a is good question. Is that something you guys just take it keep? Home? Like, no, we take it home. Yeah. Do you, do you, is it all stinking? Everything? Do you get it out and air it out? Well, first and... of all, the equipment people in the NHL uh, do an incredible job. Okay, that's kind of what we're asking. Yeah, what happens here? They they have these like Santa sport machines where they hang it all up and everything is sanitized through. They'll wash everything. They'll dry it. They'll like you get your gear in your bag and listen. Doesn't smell like roses, okay? Sure. Because it's hockey gear. But it is nothing like you'd expect. It's not spinning wheels on a Saturday night is what you're yeah, saying. I mean, it is no spinning wheels on a Saturday night. I mm. could smell my bag in the back of my car oh, back in yeah, the day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, it was... Yeah. Whew, and I dated one too. girl that loved the smell of a hockey bag. Oh, my God. Yeah. Whoa. She liked that's the smell weird. of bag? <laughs> Been married to her for 25 and oh, <laughs> Not even going to go there. No, please don't. No. What she said. Guys, I just, I still, this whole season, I just don't know how I'm supposed to feel today. I know, man. It is just that combination of knowing that, that, that you think the guys could have played better, but realistically, they didn't play together as the team that was intended, like at all this year. So it and just they feels didn't like. perform too, though. It's a combination. Right. Yes. You know, like that's the thing is everybody wants their pound of flesh today on. On Monday, right? Like, yeah. what went wrong? Blame this guy. Blame that guy. Blame the injuries. Can't blame the injuries. It's a combination of all of the above. And the sooner we just come to terms with that and realize that there's some really, really good pieces still in place. Yes. And that Doug Armstrong is very, very inspired to keep this window open. And Tom Stillman and the ownership group are very inspired to keep this window open. We should all be looking forward to, one, a fun off season, and two, a good season next year. Well, and, I, and that's the thing about Doug Armstrong. Yeah. You friggin' never know. Right. You never know what that magician or what what he's got working in that back in that back room. He's man. an evil wizard. He has a deal with somebody and he <laughs> always comes out ahead in these deals. Yeah, he's got pictures of somebody doing something. I don't know what it is. Can I ask yeah. you guys a question that does not have anything to do with hockey to close this as bad long boy as it's out? It's not long division. Uh, yeah, no, definitely not right, long division. Let's do it. I'm looking for a rules uh sort of situation here. Uh, rules? Rules. Oh, sorry, rules. I thought we were All right. playing. So yesterday, uh, we went out to beautiful Creefcore Park in the morning to go on a, a hike with the, sure. with the kiddos. Yeah, it was freaking beautiful. It was amazing. So glad we did it. Now we're getting we're walking back to the car. So we're finishing up this trail and we're walking back to the car. And this guy on a bike has a speaker on the front of the bike that is blasting music as he's riding the trail. Mm-hmm. To me, that feels like bad form. Is it is it the paved trail or is it the dirt trail up in the woods? It's the dirt trail. Hmm. What's the call there? Okay, so here's a couple of questions I have. Just you know, initial sure kind of observation. Go ahead. Um, what, what Jeff? No, because I know he's setting you up for something. Silly, no, I'm not. So I'm actually being very serious. All right, right. All right. Go stop ahead. shaking your head. I'm ready. If you're wanting to listen to music, they they make these things called headphones, mm. and mm-hmm. so. I would wonder why he had the speaker strapped to the front of his bike and was blaring the music that way, unless he's headed off to where a group of people are going to be hanging out and he's the entertainment and he parks the bike and that's the music source for the That would be the party. only common sense. But although a lot of people like to be able to hear their surroundings and hear the music what too. What do you think he was hearing with that speaker blare? <laughs> 
pretty much that. Yeah. And, and Johnny going, what the hell with your music? No, 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 I didn't even do that because... Why honestly, are you playing Bon Jovi? No, because we all, like, because we all had earbuds in... We had one bu- earbud in so that we could talk and still listen to sure. our music as we as we go. And and I just it also too it was new country, which uh, to me yeah, it's just okay. I would okay. rather so listen to a toilet let's flush isolate yeah. this over and over and over, and over again. This is more personal than anything. Yeah, no, because yeah. if it was ACDC, I would have still been annoyed anyway. I just feel like when you're back on a trail, you throw the headphones on. You're not broadcasting your music there. Yeah. Like was he like flying real fast? Was he going really uh, super? Yeah, 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 he was one. Of, yeah. Okay, so yeah, he's a little yeah. bit of an adrenaline guy, yeah. but he's listening to new country. That kind of counter. Maybe it's maybe it's a radio he just found. What if he was just super stoked he found it? Yeah. What if he because of all the bear sightings lately and they don't mm. like loud noise they don't like country music and they, they tend to Who not does? like country music what do you yeah. think if it was he was trying to fend off bears boys it was a self-preservation like if tactic Jeff was there. if a bear listens it. to country music in the woods <laughs> does it have horrible taste in music yes I don't know. You'd have to ask him. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is the last bit of Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, and Jamie Rivers. Well, we didn't solve any problems today, but uh, I think this was the first bit of my uh, my post-Blues season therapy. So yeah. thank you, gentlemen. Yeah, we need to have a little post-season therapy again soon. Absolutely okay. so. Last Minute Blues Podcast. Jeff, Jamie, Donnie, thank you very much for listening. As always, let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.